0: We are continuing in uh, continuing this series uh, through Psalms. So, looking at uh, these, these Psalms, the Psalms are uh, worship songs from generation upon generation upon generation ago. And in this season, uh, we've done I think there's a few things that we've done as we've kind of navigated COVID. We've navigated all these things. One was we looked closely at the words of Jesus, the stories that Jesus told. And then now we're looking at psalms, uh, looking at these, these pieces, these words that have brought comfort over the years, that have, that have been something that is kind of like helps regulate uh, maybe us in the, in the face of things that come our way. One of the things that we have learned, it's, it's interesting to, to think about the moment that we're in. Uh, we are this week would be the one year mark that we started our drive up here to Alaska. Uh, so our family, we've been kind of like walking some memory lane kind of stuff saying, man, do you remember? Um, and, and maybe even a little bit of like, boy, I did not expect this year, right? The, the last 12 months have been, <laughs> um, have been fascinating, been interesting. Um, but one of the things that, that we have learned or that we've seen that's been really interesting to me is, is like how seasonal our world is up here. Have you guys, maybe it's like when you're swimming in it, you don't see it quite so much, but but to recognize that there are like specific seasons um, here in Alaska where it's like, this is like the sunny season, right? It's like, we're like sunny all the time and I don't know when I'm supposed to go to bed and I wake up way too early and, and all those kinds of things. There's there's different seasons where things happen. There's fishing season when nothing else happens, I'm learning that. Um, there's There's hunting seasons, there's the different seasons of the year that are specific. And you look and you say, so in this season, uh, what is it that maybe God's wanting to do? Or maybe in this season, what's it supposed to look like? Uh, for us, I think we could ask the question, we're coming out of, we've been coming out of, or we're in process of coming out of an unexpected season. Now we're entering into maybe a, another, a new season of kind of like the world is reopening and there's all sorts of new opportunities and we're starting to reconnect with people and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, but the question is, what is it that God wants to do in this season, right? At the, beginning of, at the beginning of our kind of like shut down our, our public worship services, we, we ask the question, what is it that, that on the other side of this, that we, we don't just get through, but we get through stronger, or we get through better. So now we're in a season where we say, so what is it, right? If, if we go through these seasons and there's purpose that God is doing, there's things that God is trying to accomplish, then, then, then what is it that God's wanting to do in this season, and the framework and the kind of the foundational question for for this particular psalm, as we as we spend time in it, would be: um, if there is something that God wants to do, then why would we not take Him up on it? Right? Why would we not lean in and say, "God, if that's what You're wanting to do in my life, if if that's what You're wanting to accomplish, then then I am just I'm all in." Right? If the, if the God of the universe, the one who created all things, is is now inviting us to take some sort of step, then. Then, then why wouldn't we, right? Why wouldn't we? What is it that, that's keeping us from, from doing that? I think part of the issue actually is hope. If you're kind of like circling words or tallying words for, the, for kids, it's, it's, it's a question of hope. Do we actually believe that it could be better? Do we actually believe that, that the, at the end of a particular season that, that life could be maybe ordered a little bit better, that, that things could get better to realize that, that God is at work in our lives, that God is working in our lives and through our lives for us to go through a season where maybe we start to understand that the Christian life, I think just to kind of like just, we'll just say it, um, that the Christian life, I think sometimes we look at it and say, well, if it's something that God is calling me to, then, then it's gonna be heavy, and it's gonna be maybe not even a whole lot of fun. It's gonna be all those kinds of things that, that there's this kind of like burden that we feel when it comes to our Christian lives, right, or our spiritual lives. Would it, could it be that, that maybe what God is, part of what God's trying to teach us is that, that, that there, is a, there is a weight that comes with all of this, but it doesn't have to be heavy, Right? It, doesn't have to be the, it doesn't have to have the heaviness that comes along with it, that the, that the journey, that the process of transformation, that, that you can look at the Christian life and say that, that we can feel the weight, maybe even of the cross, without the heaviness that, that comes with it, that we can feel a lightness even in the midst of feeling the weight of, 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 of what's happening. It's the tension that we live in. It's the, the reality that we operate in. And so C.S. Lewis, talking about Psalm 19, which is what we're going to spend time in this evening, C.S. Lewis wrote this. Uh, he said, this is the greatest poem in the Psalter. So, so the, the Psalter is another word of understand, another way of understanding or calling the Psalms, the book of Psalms. And he says, this is the greatest poem in the Psalter. And he says, and, and one of the greatest lyrics in the world, right? This is an author who has written beautiful words, who has, who has spoken beautiful things, who God has used to, to help us understand our faith in deeper kinds of ways. And he says, this particular Psalm, this particular poem is is." theologically rich and helpful, but it's also beautiful, right? It's, it's beautiful that there's this heaviness, but then there's also, or there's this weight, but, but it's, there's this lightness that comes with this well-crafted poem. And it's divided into three parts. It starts with, with David talking about creation, talking about the world that God created. And then, and then he talks about the law, this, this way of living, this framework for living. And then he talks about our standing before God, right? The relationship that we have with God. And we look and we're like, well, that's got to be heavy, right? There has to be a certain amount of like, just frustration that comes with that because all of a sudden it's like, well, let's, we can talk about creation and that's kind of fun. We can, we can talk about and wrestle with the law and, and all that kind of stuff and, and, and we can kind of get there. But, but then when we start to talk about our standing before God, what it feels like for us to stand before God, what that is like for us to stand before God. And what we're going to see is it's going to be this relationship that we have with God that's, that's driven by his love for us. That's, that's encapsulated in this word when the process plays out, when we trust God, when, when God is, is able to, to do his work in us, that, that, that's, that's blameless, right? That we can stand before him in that way, which means that we can be in harmony with God, right? That's the big picture. That's the big structure for, for Psalm 19. And so for the director of music, a psalm of David, Psalm 19.1, the heavens declare the glory of God, right? This is David, again, like he has in other psalms, looking out at the world around him saying, this is incredible, what God has created, the, the thing that God has made, this, this creator who has crafted something beautiful. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. In other words, creation points to the creator, that, that the glory that exists in creation gives glory to the one who created Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. He says, but they have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Because they're declaring in a different way. He says, yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their, their words to the end of the world. He says that creation, just in its existence, just in it being what God created it to be, just in the reality that the creator took time to build with intentionality, that that it speaks even without words. Even though it's unable to speak, it declares the glory of God. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. It's like like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. And it rises at one end of the heavens and and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. David looking at, at, the, at the story of creation, looking at what the, the, the context that God has created for us to, to learn to follow after him, right? the environment in which we operate, in which we live out our faith, he says it is good. Right? It's so good that it actually gives glory to the one who created it. It's, it's so good that, that when, it, when it operates within the order that the creator created it for, that, that it glorifies the one who created it. It just can't help but give glory to the creator not because of what it's doing not because of things that it has done to somehow make itself more glorifying but because the creator is glorified when creation is operating within the order that it was created for so this is creation and then David looks as he has in other psalms he looks around and then looks at looks at humanity looks at himself in the mirror probably and looks at the at the world around him So so how is it that that we declare God's glory, right? What does it look like for us to be like the rest of creation where where without even having to speak words, it it gives glory to the one who created? And he begins to talk about the law. He begins to talk about the the order that that we're called to live within. He says the law, the law of the Lord is Perfect. He's been talking about creation is right, that creation is purposeful, and and now he's saying that that God's way of living, that that God's way, that that the order that God created for us is right and purposeful as well, that the creator God who who put everything in creation in motion has also created a process, has created a way of living for us. He says the law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. So how does that happen? Because the statutes of the Lord are trustworthy. Right? In a world that is so easily shaken, in a world where, where we lose our confidence, where, where we take our eyes off of God, where, where we're so tempted to lose hope, where we're so tempted to be frustrated, that they're, they're, the statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. In other words, it's not complicated. Right? In other words, it's not about us figuring all these things out. It's, 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 it's simple, but it's not easy. It's, it's focused, but, it, but that doesn't make it, make it less hard to do. That better is simple. He says, the precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. In other words, we find joy not because we've found ways to make ourselves happy, but we've found joy because, because life is working. That the commands of the Lord are radiant giving light to the eyes. In a world that's wrapped up in darkness, in a world where it's, it's, so, easily, it's so easy for us to, to, to just take in the, the, just the, the heaviness of the world around us, to, to see that as God's order plays out in our lives, as we submit to the way that he's created us to live, that, that the commands of the Lord are radiant, that they, that they give light to the eyes, that they let us see what God has made and, and how he made it to work for us. The fear of the Lord, verse 9, the fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. In other words, they're fair, right? In other words, that, that, they, that they have purpose, that, that, it's, that it's, it's designed for us to live in harmony with God, which means that we declare his glory, and then we get to live in his love, and then verse 10, David, having talked about the law, for us, that we tend to fight against rules. We don't like when we're told what to do. We don't like when, when there's like constrictions or restrictions placed on our behavior. But, but David looking and saying, I have, I have come to the end of myself. That then when I allowed the flesh to drive me, when I allowed my, my own desires to, to drive me, then I, then I didn't get to where I wanted to be. Then he talks about the law. And he says, they, verse 10, they are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They're sweeter than honey, than, than honey from the honeycomb. He's talking about the law, right? Is there anyone among us that's like, I love following rules all the time. I love when, when, I, when I don't get to do what I want to do. I love when, when like, whatever it is that I wanted to see happen is, is like submitted to someone else or something else and, and it restricts my ability to make my decisions. When my freedoms are limited, I love when that happens. David says, I love it because I realize what it's like when I get my way. Right? I love it because I realize when I let when I when I allow myself to, to just run in whatever way I want to run, that, that I don't get to where I want to be. He's talking about the law that's more precious than gold, that's that's sweeter than honey from the honeycomb. How? And the key to understanding this is, is not just in the, the existence of the law, but but in what it looks like to apply it to the act of living, to actually take what God has said to us, to, to take with, with one eye on the creation and the created order that God created, and then, and then to look and say, and then this is what God has created us for us, the kind of the, the lane that He's created for us to live in. And when we follow, we realize the value of living in the way that God has created us for, that we find that it's pre- more precious than gold, that it's sweeter than honey. He continues, verse 11. By them, talking about the law, talking about what God has said, by them your servant is warned. In other words, it starts to show the gravitational pull. It starts to show where it is that we, that we tend to drift, right? Without some sort of clear measure that says this is, this is the way, or this, is, this is what, what is, is, is the right way. And there's no way for us to understand what, 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 what isn't right. It reveals the gravitational pull that takes us away from what God has for us. By them your servant is warned, and keeping them, there is great reward. In other words, the law is not a punishment. In other words, submitting to the law, in other words, having our options limited, in other words, having a more simple existence wrapped up in in a focused life on what God is trying to do is not punishment, right? It's not a heavy reality. It's a way of living that's simply better. In our humanity, we look at this kind of moment, we look at this, at this kind of statement, and, and it's like, is there anything worse than, than, than having an impulse and not being able to act on it? Right? Is there anything worse than having our, than our freedoms limited in some kind of way? Is there anything worse than us having to, not being able to say, well, that's just how I am. I can't help myself. Is there anything worse than, than having something that, that laid up against that says it, it's not okay, that there's, that there's things that, that aren't right, that there's things that, that aren't acceptable, that there's ways of living and ways of, of acting that, that just simply are incompatible with what God is teaching us, with what God has called us to? Or we say, left to my own devices, right? When my options aren't limited, then, then what kind of trouble do I get myself into? And to that, David says, exactly. And that's why they're valuable, and that's why it matters. He said, because who, verse 12, who can discern their own errors, right? Who can look in the mirror, right, and and, and give give them an honest appraisal of themselves? And then he says, forgive my hidden faults, right? This is David going back and forth in this conversation. In some ways, we're listening in on on a conversation that David is having with God. He's saying, well, who can discern, right? Who can see their own blind spots? Who, Who can discern their own errors, because we can't see it. And if we can't see it, then how can we fix it? And this is a prayer that David is beginning to pray that says, help me with my blind spots. God, help me see what I can't see. Help me understand what it is that you wanna do. He says, forgive my hidden faults. And he says, and then keep your servant also from willful sins, that they may not rule over me. In other words, I do not wanna be driven by my brokenness. I do not wanna be compelled that, that my behavior is driven by the broken parts of who I am. But there are two masters that play in this this poem, in this this psalm. One is God and one is our flesh. And our flesh is a tyrant, right? It's unsatisfied without being able to be in complete control because they would rule over him. And David's saying, God, I don't want that. I look at what you've created. I look at at the way creation so effortlessly gives glory to you that, that it operates without the heaviness. It operates without the fear. It operates in all those kinds of ways. I want that. And so the law, if that's what gets me there, if the law is what gets me there, if if following your commands are what get me there, then then I'm willing to do it. May may my impulses, may my flesh not rule over me. He says, then then I will be blameless, right? Like the law, right? The same kind of term that's being used earlier in this, in this psalm, like, like, the, like the law in verse seven, innocent of great transgression. In other words, then my life begins to declare God's glory. Then my life, and in it, in it, in it just, it's, its existence gives glory to God, not in my effort, not in, not in anything that I'm doing, but, but the fact that I'm following in the ways of God, that my life, like the rest of creation, effortlessly, without the heaviness, gives glory to God not operating in fear of a relationship that's being broken between us and God, but in this this lightness and this relationship. And then he closes with a beautiful closing to a prayer. He says, may these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Lord, my rock, which is a firm foundation, right the solid foundation on which to build his life. He says, and my redeemer, right? The one who restores value. To be redeemed means that there was a, a value to begin with. And it's been it's been restored. The value has been restored to him. That that David in some ways is saying, look, the, my life, I've got all sorts of dents and dings along the way, and I've, and I've messed up in so many different kinds of ways, but but Lord, my rock right, the, the foundation on which my life is built, the, the, the stable ground on which my feet are placed, the, the thing that's, that, that I stand on with confidence, stand firmly on in confidence, and my Redeemer, the one who gives me value. You talk about a way of understanding God that's maybe different than a lot of us would, would normally think about God, to, to look in a world that is shaking, to look in a, at a world that, that, that is, it makes us lose trust, to say that God is my rock, in a world that that wants to make us feel like we don't have value in a world that, that wants to make us feel like we could never measure up, to make us feel like if we, if we had any kind of opportunity to, to actually stand before God and that, we could, that we would perceive that, that we're just kind of like so broken. And David says, my rock, my firm footing and my redeemer, the one who restores value is now the one that I'm standing in front of and understanding whether or not I'm okay. What a beautiful way to understand this. And so we're, we're invited we're invited to, to live in a different kind of way, to look at a psalm that has echoed across centuries, that, that has been a worship song for the church for, for years and years and years, to, to, to find hope, right? To not just look and say, well, well, this is a hopeless situation, that, that God is so completely other and, and I just don't know if I could ever get myself to a position where I'm worthy of, of anything, but to find this, this lightness, to, to find a Christian life that, that doesn't have the heaviness, it feels the weight, or the, the weight of it, but, but not the heaviness. Because like creation, like creation, we can declare the glory of God with our lives. And so how do we? How do we live in this kind of way? Of, of, like, talking about this, this last piece, what does it look like for us to live blamelessly? Right, for us to understand what that looks like, for us to understand that that we can live within within a relationship with God that's not marked by shame, that's not marked by fear, that's not marked by heaviness. I think it starts with us understanding that that God is not hiding from us, that God has not hidden himself from us, that that God is not trying to to distance himself from us. We live in a place, a, a part of the world that we have such a privilege because, because creation here does so easily declare the glory of God. We have some friends that are visiting us in a few weeks, and we've been making a list of the places we want them to see while they're here because it's like, you guys have to understand, Alaska is the most beautiful place, I think, in the entire world. It's like just the drive from Anchorage to Soldatna is like, you would pay good money just for that, those kinds of views. To live in a place that declares the glory of God so effortless, effortlessly, To to recognize that that God's not hiding it from us, that creation declares it to us if we're paying attention. That creation declares God's glory, which gives us hope. Because creation is not doing a lot of work to to clean itself up to declare God's glory. That that we're not alone, that, that that we're not hopeless, that the situation is not Hopeless that, that God has not given up on us and distanced himself from us and, and forced us to try and figure out how we, how we fill the gap between, between where we are and, and, and where we should be. But there is this process where God invites us to, to see him, right? to, to look around and perceive God's glory and, and the creation that, that he has created for us, to pay attention, to, to focus our attention and our affection on God to allow creation to declare, to declare God's glory, that, to allow all of that to give us hope. To recognize that it's not hopeless, that God is not hidden from us, that God is not hiding from us to make that in an active kind of way. That God is not hiding from us, that, that God's best for us is the better way. Right, this is what David's talking about, where it's so difficult to, to, to get over our own desires for freedom, our own understanding of what freedom looks like, to, to understand that God does have a best for us, that there is a way of living, that, that, there, are, that there is a framework for us as, as we make our decisions, as we, as we live our lives. And to recognize that for us, that is the best way. It's not that we're going to find that among, among other options that might get us to where we want to go. And it's like, well, you know, I could probably get myself there, but, but maybe I could follow God and he might, you know, that might get me there too. As long as, you know, it doesn't require too much of me to recognize that, that God's best for us. That God's best for us is the better way. That, that, it's, that it's not just because God wants to control us and wants us to, to not have fun to recognize that it's a better way of living, that it's, that it's worth living in this way. David, in the way that he talks in this psalm, he starts with the created order. He's ta- he's ta- he's talks, he starts with, with creation. And he reveals that, that we are created, that we are crafted with care, with intentionality, that, that we are created for, for orderly lives. Right? not just uh, uh, lives that don't have chaos and any of that kind of thing, but, but to have a life that, that has an order to it, that has a structure to it, that, that we've made decisions about what's most important to us, that we made decisions about certain rhythms and habits that we say, well, this is the kind of thing that, that takes me to where God wants me to be, that I, I submit to the, this order of life because, because it gives life, because it gives hope, because it glorifies God that God's best for us is the better way, that we're not going to create a better way for ourselves following after whatever our heart would tell us to do. That God, that God wants to help us deal with hidden faults and willful sins. Whew. That's a statement, isn't it? to look at what life could look like when we, when we take those parts of our lives that we'd rather not address, when we, we take those parts of our lives that, that we may not even be aware of, and we take instead of holding on and hiding and trying to figure out, well, maybe I could, could maybe strengthen some other part of my life that, that might cover up this, this weakness or, or this hidden fault. Or, or maybe I'm gonna make certain decisions in one context and then, and then make, I'm just gonna try and like keep the scale balanced by making better decisions than in some other context. That, that we look and, and we say, instead of doing all of that, and instead of comparing and bargaining and everything else that we do, simply get before God and say, God, this is, this is my life. This is, this is who I am. This is, these are the decisions that I made. This is the stuff that, that, that's marked my life, the, the mistakes I've made, the brokenness, all the good stuff and the bad stuff and, and all those things. And, and instead of holding on and hiding and trying to figure out a way to keep it all in some sort of balance, we take it and we put it before the God who loves us, the God who created the world, who, who created an order for us to, to help us understand what could be. And those hidden faults Those things that are just simply blind spots, that we have no way of even understanding. That by definition, those 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 things that are hidden from us, we don't know. To recognize that there is grace that covers those, that that God wants to help us deal with 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 those things. And God has actually glorified in our lives by, by helping us deal with the broken things in our lives, our hidden faults. And then also those willful sins, those, those things that we go back to, those things that we do even though we know we're not supposed to do, those things that, that we might think disqualify us, that, that would make God not want to spend any time with us, that, that would make God give up on us. David says, the God who created the world, the God who created an order for, which, uh, for us to live in, is also unafraid of dealing with the hidden faults. He's unafraid of dealing with the willful sins. The question is, are we willing to allow him to do it? Because the truth that's at the foundation of all of this is that God wants to make us blameless that God wants to make us blameless in relationship as we stand before him just like the rest of creation that, that stands with a lightness in, in relationship with God, that, that stands unafraid before its creator, that, that glorifies its creator just in, in its existence, that, that God wants to, that God wants to declare his glory through our lives. He wants us to live in the purposes that he has for us. To take all of that and to say, I'm, I'm looking at, at the world. As, as David looks at the world, he says, that to, instead of kind of like just like looking at that as one thing and then, and then my life as another and then, and then my relationship with God as another thing, he says, to put that all together and say, what does it look like for my life, just like the birds of the air, just like the mountains, it's just like the stars in the sky, for my life to give glory to God simply by existing within the purpose that he has created me for? And so the tension that exists is is us saying, well, there's a way that has been made for us, that that God has invited us to a better way, that that he's he's asking us and inviting us to allow him to deal with the hidden faults. He's he's asking us and inviting us to to allow him to to deal with the willful sins. We started this message with a question. If there was something that God wanted to do, if if God was wanting to do something in our lives in this season, would we let him? This is the question. This is the question, and, and David, the reason why he's declaring God's glory, the reason why he's, he's responding in worship to what God's is doing is because he's decided in what, whatever season it was that he was writing the psalm, he's, he's decided to allow God to glorify himself in David's life like God glorifies himself in the creation that's around him. And so how do we get there, right? What can we do this week? What can we do as we, as we, as we close our eyes to, to go to sleep tonight and to allow God to, to begin to reveal to us what can we do tomorrow morning that, that moves us forward, right? The, the, the life that we're talking about is it's, decision, it's a decision, but then it's, it's decisions that support it along the way. What does it look like for us to live in hope? What does it look like for us to, to be blameless, and The thing that we have as a benefit that David didn't have is what he knew by faith, we know by name, we have the person of Jesus Christ that we can look and we can say, this is the way that's been made for us. Right? The way that has been made for us, is it has a name, it's not just that, that we hope, it's not just that we have faith, but, but God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to make a way for us. So our hope for the journey is wrapped up in Jesus, to, to live in the hope of Jesus means that, that we operate in a different kind of way. And in this, in this psalm, there's a beautiful prayer that we could pray tonight before we go to bed, Right, that we could take a pattern of prayer and make it the thing that we start our days with. Maybe we, we get before God with a blank sheet of paper and, and, and just some very simple statements that we make to God, just like David did in, in this psalm. That our, our prayer, as we ask God to make us blameless, to help us understand what it is he's created us for, what if it started and sounded something like this? God, show me. Show me where I drift. Right? Show me where there's a gravitational pull that takes me off the mark of your best for my life. Right? And then we, then we just stop for a moment and we let God speak. God, show me where I drift. And then we follow that with a statement of forgive my hidden faults. Forgive those things I don't even know about. God, those things that are in me and and are driving me and and causing me to operate or respond in certain ways, that that they're just blind spots. I don't even even see them. God, show me where I drift. Forgive my hidden faults. Help me. Help me to not be driven by my brokenness. Help me to not be driven by my brokenness. May my May my flesh not rule over me. And then it turns back into a hopeful tone. Show me. Show me how you see me now. Help me see what, what it is that you have done, what it is that you're doing. Show me how my life declares glory. Show me how I stand before you in confidence. Show me where I drift. Forgive my hidden faults. Help me not be driven by my brokenness. Show me how you see me now. And then we take the words David spoke directly. May these words of my mouth, may these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer, right? The foundation on which I stand and, 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 and you as the one who is restoring the value that you created me to have for us to take a simple pattern of prayer, for us to, to get before God and to allow him to do a work in us. This is a hopeful message, right? This is not a heavy message. When we start talking, as, as, as Jenny was talking about the words that are gonna be present in this message, it's like transgressions. Oh man, I've got a few of those, right? Um, the hope and, and all those kinds of things. When we look and it's like, man, what do we do with this? That we have Jesus. That a way has been made for us. That, that God wants to work in us, that God wants to glorify himself through us.